These are the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest people I know. Hello, world. Welcome to The Funniest People I Know. I'm George Kaloris, and with me today are my very funny co-hosts, Alexandria Sweat. Hello, George. Hello, Abigail. Hello. And Abigail Williams. That's right. It was me saying hello to Alex. (laughs) How are you guys doing today? (sighs) I made it, and that's what matters. I'm doing great. (laughs) I went to one of those floating pod spas. Have you guys ever heard of these? No. I'm jealous already. (laughs) There are these places you can go that have pods full of salt water, heavy concentrated salt, so much so that anyone who gets in there will float. And you just float in this pool weightless for an hour. And I did that yesterday, and I feel like a new person. That's amazing. How did you find out about this? A friend of mine told me she was going to go, and I was really skeptical. Who wants to be alone with their thoughts and feelings in the dark for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) It really sounded terrible, especially because I'm claustrophobic, so I wasn't excited Mm -hmm. about it. But I just decided on a whim, I'm going to just try this out. And so I got online, found a place, signed up, and went, and it was amazing. Do they have a bar? They do not. Can you bring your own cocktails? They didn't search my bag. So theoretically, yes, you could. So you could have just sat in there and snacked on beef jerky. Yeah, I guess. But I'll tell you, you don't really want to. It's kind of hot in there. It'd be like eating in a sauna. I'm not wanting to eat. I'm wanting to chill. Like George said, chill. (laughs) You're chilling in there. All right. It was a good experience. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Awesome. Each week, we kick off the episode with a round of what's making you laugh. Each of us are going to share a story, and then we're going to pick one to dive into. Alexandria, what's making you laugh this week? Bezos and space. (laughs) I'm laughing at the invisible sculpture. What? What about you, Abigail? What are you laughing at? I am laughing at the scalped vigilante. Ooh. I'm intrigued. Okay. I want to know about this invisible sculpture. I want to know what type of Marvel is happening out here with invisible sculptures. Okay. Invisible sculpture it is. I read this on WSB online. Headline, artist sells invisible sculpture for $18,000. What? Come to find out. $18,000. I got a couple invisible sculptures in my kitchen right now. (laughs) You won't believe how many invisible sculptures. Listeners, they are for sale, but I'm much more reasonable. $5,000 to pop. (laughs) Oh my God. It's a bargain at twice the price. (laughs) I have so many questions already, but I'm going to hold it. An Italian artist named Salvatore Garou sold an invisible sculpture called Yosono, meaning I am. This invisible sculpture is not clear or made of plastic or glass. It's nothing. There is no sculpture. You a lie, George. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. According to the artist, the piece exists in the mind of its creator. Okay, stop. So, stop right um, there. 
You are a con artist, if an artist at all. That's what you are. I'm going to show you all a picture of one of his other sculptures. This isn't his first invisible sculpture. Okay. What George is showing us is a picture of a street with a square chalked out on the street. Presumably, the invisible sculpture is within that square. Yes, there are rules. An invisible sculpture must be displayed in a five-foot by five-foot area with no obstruction. No! This is not real. You can make an invisible sculpture if you want to provoke thought, but who is the idiot buying it? Do it yourself. I, I could not figure out who bought it, but apparently what they get is a certificate of authenticity with a stamp on it as this, their receipt. That is no. Every DIYer's wannabe's dream. You literally just put a chalk square in your driveway and then you make claims to this $18,000 sculpture. Why would you pay for this? I'm going to claim it got stolen from my car. Yeah, that, I had it. I had it. I went inside to pick up some Burger King, and by the time I got out, someone broke Burger my car King. stole my <laughs> invisible sculpture. This is just so irritating. Of course, it's America, so somebody's going to buy a thought, because that's exactly what people are spending $18,000 for, is someone's thought. I got some thoughts for this guy. Or girl. This makes me angry this is why people don't take artists seriously it's like you got people putting balloons with paint in it over on a canvas and then while they're just sitting around drunk throwing darts at it and then they're like let me sell this for 50 grand and people like oh you're an artist i don't take you serious as long as you name it something cool that's the ticket the one i showed you a picture of was called buddha and contemplation sure it was and he has another one called aphrodite cries wow but I am was the one that has sold the highest at $18,000. I'm happy for the owner of that sculpture and how proud they must be when they show it to their friends. And I wish I was in that room to look at those friends' faces when they showed to them. Right. I'd be planning the robbery. <laughs> You're going to steal the invisible sculpture. Call them and inform them that you stole it. Hey, it's gone. It's gone. You may not know. It is gone. I have it. I swear I've got it. That chalk square's got nothing in there anymore. Today we have a very fun and special guest, Viana Black, joining us. Viana, how's it going? Oh, you know, I'm on this side of the dirt, so I can't complain too much. Viana's been telling us about Mercury being in retrograde. We have been discussing off the air. If you're having any technical difficulties from now until the 22nd, it's not your fault. It is the universe's fault. Is that right, Viana? I'm blaming everything on the universe. I thank her for everything also, but I'm just like, oh, the universe, she did it. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what's not in retrograde, your bang. You got a beautiful (laughs) You look fresh face. Well rested, it's be your girl. Ooh, I look rested, girl. Thank you. I am hosting this week's game, and I'm really excited about this one. I thought that I would challenge you guys to a 90s TV theme music edition of Name That Tune. Ooh, yes. I love it. I'm going to be good at this game. 
I'm going to be terrible at it. I can't remember any song title, much less a TV series title, but I really like the opportunity for the nostalgia to hit, so I'm in it to win it with this. I'm going to play these clips from 90s TV shows. When you know the answer, say your name as your buzzer, and if you get it right, you get the point. All right, here is the first one. Viana. All right. All right, Viana. What's that? 90210. Yep, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I recognize <laughs> it, but I just don't know it. That's going to be me every single time. <laughs> I'm going to feel ashamed about how much TV I watched growing up. No, Viana, you should feel proud. Never proud of everything that you remember. That's a really great way to look at it. I also will be proud of having watched every episode of every one of these shows. All right, next one. What's my theme music? I saw Alex's hand first. Alex so. raised her hand on a yes. radio show. <laughs> I really did. She was like, Ooh. All right. Oh. Uh, got it. All right, Viana, what is that one? The judge here. Hitting you with Mr. Cobra. Oh, all right. <laughs> All right. Season, the first season, because I think they changed it up as the show went on. They wow, definitely I feel like... changed that when it became a TGIF stable. Let me go to this next one. I know it, but I don't know it. Oh! Alexandria. Clarissa knows it all. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god! explains it all, but yeah. I'm so proud of you, Alex. There's no way I would have come to the name. In my defense, we didn't have cable growing up. (laughs) In my defense, I'm a Baptist pastor's kid who wasn't allowed to watch anything if it wasn't Little House on the Prairie. Okay, so we got two for Alex, one for Viana. I yeah. right. give Viana a point for the fact that she knew that it was the first season only. Oh, that is. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. That's really good. All right, here's the next one. All right, Alex. <laughs> Alex almost threw her back out with that one. <laughs> I got two she did notes a backflip when she did that. <laughs> <laughs> Simone Biles would have been jealous of what she just did. <laughs> I love that show so much. Living single. That's right. All right. That's three for Alex, one for Rihanna. And a lot of heart from Abigail. And a lot of heart from Abigail. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. Alex, yeah. All right, I heard Alex. What she to do, what she to go, she's on her fanny. It's the nanny. That's right, that's the nanny. Oh what to do, you describe. <laughs> Nobody has good theme songs anymore. Everything's just so brooding and sad and dark, or you get two seconds of something. We don't get a real theme song. This I'm is sad no. about that. Uh-huh. All right, well, that's Name That Tune's 90s TV theme edition. Alex, you took that away. That was a great game, George. Thank you for that. <laughs> I apologize if I got weirdly competitive just now. It was a little scary, a little touch and go there for a I, minute, but we've I'm, all come out better for it. I was just worried that you're going to have to get chiropractic care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually 
actually hurt, but I'm gonna push. <laughs> Somebody bring please someone just an ice pack. The other day, I was listening to Sirius Radio and Pop 2K was on, and these singers came on the radio that I have not ever heard of before. But then I kind of recognized the song, and it was a boy band from the 2000s. And I was thinking about how we always give credit to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, but the 2000s gave us like 50 boy bands. And I really thought we should take some time to celebrate and pick what we think is the greatest forgotten boy band of the 2000s. Okay, but I want to say that the 2000s gave us about 50 wannabe boy bands because none of these guys added up. I got my band that I'm going to be, you know, really pushing, but nobody can come close to NSYNC or BSB, and that's why, George. But they did the work. Okay, that's fair. They did do the work. And, you know, when you were at that Backstreet Boys show, for that hour before they came on stage, there were some other dudes up there yeah, you're right. singing and warming up that audience. I bet they were fun. Always uh, rooting for the underdog here. I like yeah. that about you. Abigail, who's the best forgotten boy band of the 2000s? Hot 98 degrees. 98 degrees, American pop, R&B. They got four members, Jeff Timmons, brothers, Nick and Drew Lachey, and Justin Jeffrey. They started in L.A., What I think is really remarkable is that somehow they managed to get away with not being confused as a group of male strippers, all wearing those white tank tops. Different color pants, but we all got on the white tank tops. I just think that was a little bit odd, but also charming. Everybody loved them. Then you got Nick Lachey breaking out, marrying Jessica Simpson. This guy goes on to be on Charmed. He starts a restaurant. All of these guys were just solid guys singing a ton of fun songs. My personal favorite, which was Give Me Just One Night. I really enjoyed watching Nick and Jessica's reality show. I did and... too. And I hate to admit that because <laughs> it's like how I feel when I tell people that Taco Bell's my favorite fast food place. A little ashamed, but also it's real. <laughs> that show was great though. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun. So I definitely think that earns them a lot of points, even though it has nothing to do nothing with, to do with the band. That's an amazing thing about them. This group reunited for a one-time performance and mixtape festival in Pennsylvania in 2012. After that performance, their reunion ended up expanding into a whole new album and a tour. That's pretty amazing. They also were one of the few boy bands that formed independently and then were later picked up by a record label rather than being put together by the label. These guys really are the real deal. I make a lot of jokes about BSB and Sync, but they really built themselves from the ground up. And I really do respect them quite a bit. I just think that when they came out, they always looked to be about 35, 40 when I right. was 12. They right. might have really been a smooth 20, 21 or something, but they just looked so much more mature and grown and lived. A little intimidating. A little bit. Them white feeder tank top things were tight. They had muscles. But the you know, listen. The name for the shirt is an A shirt. Oh. An A shirt. 
That... I have always heard of it as a wife beater. I didn't think of that literally. What did you think that mind? was what was on the packaging when you went I'm to buy thinking, them? I'm just thinking, oh, it's called a wife beater. I didn't think about it. That's just what I heard people say. I didn't know. I was not a smart kid. But I will say this. These guys were smart because they were signed to three different labels. Motown, which I got to say, if you're signed with Motown, you've made it, in my personal opinion. Motown is the top of the top. You got Universal and Entertainment One. So, again, these guys kind of built themselves up from nothing. And even wearing wife beaters somehow made a name for themselves. You just got to give them props for that. All right. Alex, who'd you got? (laughs) I picked a group that was definitely a part of my sexual awakening as a teen. I picked B2K. Granted, B2K, which stood for Boys of the New Millennium, was (laughs) (laughs) ahead of its time. They were actually a relatively popular boy band. The reason why I picked them is because I feel like they didn't get the mainstream play that they deserved. They had such a short-lived run. From mm. 2000 to 2004, NSYNC had a good seven years on our radios. Backstreet Boys was out here for at least 10 years. Backstreet Boys is still kind of out there. On adult contemporary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to advocate for the young men of B2K. So that is a one Omarion, J-Bug, who I think may have removed himself from the group, Raz B., been a lot of drama with the group. I don't even know how to say it nicely. There was just a lot of drama with the group. They're still having drama? They are. Which oh, they're I will still get- out there, George. <laughs> <laughs> Circa 2019, maybe early 2020. And then my favorite was Little Fizz, who went on to become a reality star on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. And if anyone watches, they just gave boys to men. But for the teenage girl of 2000, they were beautiful. They were from Los Angeles, definitely representing the West Coast. They were definitely more manufactured. And this group was formed by record producer Chris Stokes. Around 2019, there was a resurgence of all the teen urban kids. Bow Wow, B2K, Immature from the 90s. They did this Millennium Tour that went across the country. It was really popular. They did one round, but they just couldn't get their drama together. B2K will forever be seared into my heart, my memories. And I wanted to play their first single that put them on the map, which is Uh Huh, which was released in 2002. My band's the one that inspired this segment. It's a band that I forgot even existed or maybe never even knew did, but they're called Soul Decision. That is with a small S, but capital D one word, Soul Decision. Do you guys remember (laughs) Soul Decision? No. First album, Nobody Does It Better, I don't know what it is, was released in 2000 and their hit single Faded was number one in Canada. My mom knows what it is. Sarah, she would have told me exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do y'all remember Faded? I'm thankful to say I do not. Listen to those <laughs> crash lyrics. Oh my gosh. I'm sticking I'm, with my mom on this one. What kind of lyrics are those? <laughs> their second single, Ooh, It's Kind of Crazy, sold one million copies and went to number one on TRL. That was their big peak. That week they were number one on TRL. But in 2018, they won a coveted Billboard magazine prize. They were named the greatest boy band of the TRL era besides Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, and 98 Degrees. (laughs) (laughs) You're the fourth best, I guess, but also still nobody knows your name. Viana? Wait, did they make that list themselves? Yeah, right? (laughs) Good question, Viana. I guess they honestly ranked themselves in some senses. They didn't put themselves as number one, but they way oversold themselves here. <laughs> I'm just going to be fair. I'm going to say I'm the fifth best actress out there. Okay, you got <laughs> Meryl Streep. You got Viola Davis. You got Taraji. Hmm, who else can I say? I guess I'll just say I'm fourth, actually. Pretty fair. This list was compiled by their mothers. A mess. They were really only big for that one year in 2000, but if you went to a Christina Aguilera or mm. Destiny's Child or NSYNC show that summer of 2000, you might have seen Soul Decision perform. <laughs> well, George, that was a delightful trip that we all just took. I definitely think if we're comparing them to B2K and 98 Degrees, they don't stand a chance of being considered the greatest forgotten boy band of 2000s, but at least they won that award their moms gave them. Viana, we're really glad to have you join us on the show. It's been a minute since we've seen you. How have you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. I know. I haven't seen Alex in years. Yeah. I haven't seen in years, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. I saw these two recently. Yeah, that was a couple months ago. Well, Viana, what have you been working on? Staying busy. Working on some commercial stuff. Wrapped up my first horror feature. Oh, cool. I know. I never would have thought that I would even play in that genre, but that was fun. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. yeah. What can you tell us about that? It is a 70s era horror. It hits all of those 70s tropes, your Halloweens, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Amityville Horror. It's all of that rolled into one. It's gory and gross and wonderful. And it was fun. That sounds true for a horror film. Even filming. It was all a blur. Did you ever feel like you were in a real life horror movie? Is it as scary as in the end product? No, not quite. The house that we were in was kind of scary. It had been empty for a really, really long time. And originally they were going to house us in that house. And I was like, "Mm, um, actually, yeah, no, thanks. I'll house myself (laughs) in my car. There was a Motel 6. I'm going to say that. <laughs> it was weird. Everybody walking around in full gore makeup on those days. Oh, this is just weird. <laughs> Are you alive? No, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And it's just gross and bloody. And yeah. I love it. Oh, that's that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. There was chainsaw. 
there was a fire extinguisher filled with blood on one day. And oh, my God. And yeah. <laughs> movies are weird. <laughs> I usually tell people when they share their projects, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'm not. Is that rude to say? <laughs> Yeah, I'm scared of horror movies, Viana. I'm not confident that I'll be able to make it through. Yeah, I'll watch everything else you do. My sister says the same thing. She's like, you know I'm not going to watch this, right? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, why can't you do something light and fun, you know, when you get married at the end? We don't get the say. That's unfortunate. Nobody's making those movies anymore. We get to go where the money goes, where the offers go. People will say that sometimes. You live in Atlanta, right? So why haven't you been on The Walking Dead? Well, I'm asking myself the same question. (laughs) I've turned it down so many times. Yeah, just keep turning it down. I'm just exhausted from telling them no. That's how it was with Tyler Perry. When everybody, you're in Atlanta. Have you reached out to Tyler Perry? Like, oh yeah, he's so accessible, guys. I text him three times a day. Tyler, I'm here. Hit me up when you're ready. Like, no. The have you reached out to part is always like, do you know how this works? Right. Tell me how that was going to go down. Walk me through what me reaching out to T. Perry was going to look like. Let me scroll through my contacts and see if I can find his information. I don't think my agent wants me to be reaching out to Tyler Perry on my own. She's going to be like, stop doing that or you'll never work another day in the city. Right. Fastest way to get a restraining order. Yeah. Man, well, I'm still excited about this horror movie, and even though I probably will be too chicken to watch it, if you send me what timestamps you're on it, I will look at you in this movie. Because that's the best way to watch a movie. Yep, well, a horror one, yeah. I just want to watch Abigail watch a horror movie. (sighs) I have to comfort her. We'll be like, it's just ketchup, Abigail. Don't worry. It's just sure. That's another thing. Yeah, it's just ketchup, guys. Yeah, Bianca will have to come in and visit you at the end to make sure that you know she's okay. I died in one of those crime reenactment shows, and I watched it with my sister. I'm sitting next to her, and she's tearing up watching me die. And I'm like, sissy, I am literally right here. (laughs) Alive and well. That's how good you are, Viana. Yeah, Viana, that's like the biggest compliment. That is a funny experience when people watch something you're in with you. Usually I try not to be present when people are watching Mm -hmm. stuff. But every now and then you get stuck. And watching their reactions, for me... It's a thrilling experience. Recently, I was watching a Netflix show and someone we know popped up on there and I spent the whole time being excited. I was like, oh my God, I know them, Chris. I know them. I know them. But they were on the show. And it was over. The scene was done. And I'm like, yeah. well, let's go back and watch them now. I think most of us do that. Viana, you also won an acting award for one of your shorts. Isn't that right? Yeah. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It was the inaugural All the Labs Comedy Awards put on by Ship Drinks and Dominic Wakanow. It was for a sketch called Sidebar. Me being my most neurotic self. (laughs) I've seen that one too. That one's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun to make. That was fun to play with. I look forward to the day I see you pop up in something and totally ignore your performance and make it all about me. There might be some opportunity for that coming up soon. I guess July is commercial release time or i don't really know but i do have a few commercials that should be airing shortly well that's exciting you'll definitely have to keep us in the loop to look out for those yeah i think they should be on regular tv i don't know until somebody says oh i saw you on a thing i don't know privilege to have you an award-winning actress be on with us today because we have a great piece of literature we wanted to read in the literature corner and we're hoping you would read that for us oh heck yeah (laughs) Okay, awesome. 
In this week's Literature Corner, we have an excerpt from a classic piece of literature entitled My Point and I Do Have One by Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Her first book from 1995. Brianna, we're going to ask you to read from chapter three entitled A Letter to My Friend or A Frog in a Sombrero Does Not a Party Make. I'm aghast at the title of this chapter. <laughs> I'm buckling in because, Dear Morgana, I just wanted to drop you a quick note to thank you for inviting me to your party last week. I'm not very good at parties, but I guess you know that by now. I tend to overcompensate by acting in a way that others who don't know me well might consider a tad weird. However, you know me well, and besides, you're a very perceptive and, I might add, very forgiving person. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm really, really, really sorry for what happened. Maybe it was good, though. Maybe this will be one of those things that a little while from now you'll look back on and laugh at. Okay, maybe it will be longer than a little while. Eventually, though, after at most a few days, there's bound to be some laughter, isn't there? I know that we're good enough friends that I could just call you on the phone, but I thought a letter would be preferable for two reasons. One, often it's easier to say things in a letter than it is to say them in person. And two, you don't seem to be answering my phone calls anymore. Sometimes nobody answers the phone, even if I let it ring over 500 times. I've counted. And other times, somebody who sounds like you but I'm sure isn't, answers, and asks who it is. When I say Ellen, that person immediately develops an obviously fake Russian accent and says, she not home. She moved far away to a place with no phone. I'm begging you, please leave alone. <laughs> is this real, Ellen? Are you really <laughs> passive aggressive? Are you displaying that for people for real? All that being said, let me begin my apology. A lot of what happened can be traced back to the rum cake I brought over. I just looked over the recipe, and I see now that it called for two tablespoons of rum. For some reason, maybe because I was nervous because I don't cook that much, I misread that as two bottles of rum. It's an honest mistake, and your little nephews were eventually going to find out what a hangover is anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad that cake was? Yeah, how could any child actually take more than a bite of it? Yeah, no, it'd be horrible. I had at least two slices of the rum cake, and I believe that's why I blurted out that your real name is Marge. I thought everybody already knew that. I also thought that everybody would find your old nickname Large Marge funny. I understand now that it isn't funny. Anyway, it shouldn't bother you because you're not heavy anymore. Oh, yeah, I'm also sorry that I told people about your liposuction. But at least I didn't tell anybody about your breast enlargement surgery. Oh, that's right. I did. Sorry. I was under the mistaken impression that the party was for your wedding shower. That's why I got what I considered to be a gag gift. I didn't know it was a party for your grandmother's 90th birthday. Otherwise, I never would have gotten her the crotchless underwear and the coupon for a free nipple piercing. <laughs> I laughed pretty hard when your Grammy opened the present. Sorry about the wine coming out of my nose into your new rug. Club soda should get out the stain. Not cola like I tried. But I thought she was laughing, too. 
Now I know she was hyperventilating. I swear, I've never seen anybody's face turn that red before. That's why I shouted out, look at her! <laughs> she looks like a tomato! Not funny. Mm. <laughs> I am glad to hear that your Grammy is out of the hospital. I'm the one who sent the big basket of muffins. Oh, man. Nobody told me she was diabetic. She only ate a few of them. And when I called the hospital, they said that at most that added three days to her stay there. I wouldn't have admitted to doing that. Nor would I. Some things just go unspoken, right? Yeah, it's okay to lie in an apology letter. Or at least omit. This part is the hardest to explain. I know that when you open the door to your bedroom, it looked like I was shaving your dog. Well, I was shaving your dog. But not for the reasons you might think. What happened was... In trying to spit my gum across your kitchen and into the trash can, a trick I do remarkably well, usually, I missed. And the gum landed in Colonel Chomper's fur. I tried to pull it out, but it just made matters worse. So I snuck them into your bedroom with the hope of finding some scissors and cutting the gum out. I didn't locate scissors, but I did find your Lady Gillette and thought, hey, this might work. Which it eventually did. The gum came out. But you have every right to ask, why was I wearing your bathing suit? (laughs) (laughs) The age-old question. Was it the rum and the cake, perhaps? (laughs) In looking for the scissors, I found the bathing suit in the third drawer of your bureau. I didn't look in your second drawer, so you have no reason to be embarrassed. Seeing that suit in a store that day, and thought it might look good on me. So I figured... This was a good opportunity to try it on. I believe you see now that there was a logical explanation for everything that happened at your otherwise very successful party. I hope that you find it in your heart to forgive me and we can be as good friends as we were before last weekend. Love, Ellen. Let's take this back for a second. (laughs) Okay. Why did Ellen write this book? That's a really good question. What was Ellen thinking? Did America buy this book? Were we enthralled? Sold at least one copy. It sold at least one. You have it. Did we love it, America? Is this what launched Ellen to where she was before she took a downhill turn? Ellen was big, so they're like, hey, comedian, write a book. And it's about as good as most comedians' Mm -hmm. books are. Who are not book writers, they are joke writers. It feels like somebody was writing their own monologue for an audition and didn't know that there was a one-minute time limit and you should have stopped eight days ago. (laughs) Ellen is a funny comedian, in my opinion. But, Ellen, who's your editor that said, listen, you could cut out 90% of that? There is no excuse for trying on your friend's bathing suit. (laughs) Everything else I could excuse. Giving grandma a dildo, getting the kids drunk, it happens. It's yeah, because that can be funny. Yeah, but I, no, there's no business trying on that yeah. bathing suit. You're out. You You're out. out. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just, is there anybody that it'd be okay if it were your sister or your best friend? If it was a sister or a best friend, I would seriously make them spend the night because we need some observation over the next <laughs> right right now. I appreciated Ellen showing up in that flamingo costume at the Oscars after September 11th. I will say that I do believe brought comedic relief to the country that people really felt in a very real place. I appreciated that. 
It was a swan. And I remember coming out in the swan costume, and that really did lift my spirits. I remember reading headlines about that night lifting America's spirit. Does Ellen in the swan dress make up for this chapter? No. <laughs> Thinking about like jokes that don't land, because every now and then you throw some stuff out there, and it's like, I think that's hilarious. But then crickets, and there is nothing more uncomfortable. I was working on a project, and in my head, these jokes was hitting, and it was hilarious. <laughs> nope. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the mark of most comedians' experience mm-hmm. at least once, if not many times, where you're like, I'm jiving with this. This is the jam. And then you throw it out, and people are like, that's not funny. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go home now, guys. I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep. That's encouraging to the rest of us that exactly. I know I can do better than that. So, so that can means I. <laughs> I can have a bigger career than Ellen. And right. I'm never pretended to be nice. So everybody knowing going into it will know I'm a big old bitch. So I can't even get in trouble for it 30 years from now. That was still, that was a fun piece. It definitely should be in the same place as Birdemic, among other things. <laughs> it feels awesome. like those monologues and those monologue books that you get when you're a kid just starting out. And yes. Like, this makes no sense. That's exactly what I mean. It wants so badly to be funny. There's no way to make this funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Viana, for reading that and making it as funny as it could be. That's right. You did a great job. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been another episode of The Funniest People I Know. Thank you to our guest, Viana Black, for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. We record for the Georgia Radio Reading Service. Thank you to producer Jane Boynton, who edits the show. Thank you, Jane. If you enjoy the show, please like, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. We're available on every service, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and Pandora. You can email us at funniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at funniestpeopleiknow. Have a hilarious week. Bye. See ya.